And Lord, by the end of this time, Lord, may we be stirred in our hearts to be more in love with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've had a book for a, or a booklet. It's the St. Patrick's Spiritual Pilgrimage by a man called Alfred Johnson. And I've always meant to read it and I dipped into it um, just recently. And this is what one of the things it said. It says, but in the end, it's talking about Patrick, it was the deep sense of God's call in his soul. His love for Christ and for a people away from God, which put the steel into his determination to keep his faith and to finish the course. To keep his faith and to finish the course. Reminds us of that scripture in Timothy where Paul says, I have ran the good race, I have, or I have ran the race, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course. And there is now laid up for me a treasure in heaven. Every act that we do as believers, we're, we're adding interest, we're adding um, credit to our account in heaven. We don't do it for that reason. But it's a byproduct of the good things that we do. The kind acts that maybe nobody else sees. So be encouraged. Nobody else may recognize what you're doing. But God does. And he credits it to us in the bank of heaven. Patrick was a man who had a deep sense of God's call upon his life. He had a love for Christ. And that's the key to go with the call of God. As a love for Christ. Because if we are only doing things out of duty, we won't last it will be hard going. And at times it will be drudgery. Now sometimes we need to go through that until we break into a place where it's a joy. It's a delight. I think it's, uh, you know, learning the joy of prayer. Larry Lee, Larry Lee, thanks Graham. He says, there's a stage where you have to go through the duty and use this word discipline before you come into the delight of prayer. That's so true. It doesn't come naturally to us. But here's a man, he had a love for Christ and he had a love for people. And you know, if we have a love for God and a love for our fellow human being, it's amazing what God will do with us. And these people weren't eager to hear. We think we're having a tough time. You know, they, they weren't queuing up to come in to hear his message. But God used them. Why? Because he responded to the call of God in his life. And every one of us in this room, whether you're Christian or not, there's the call of God in your life. You're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian to, f to find out what it is. And if you are a Christian, the, uh, the question is, are you fulfilling the call of God on your life? Last week, uh, we, we looked at some of the feedback on the prayer and fasting in February. 
and I, I read out again that old hymn standing on the promises of God I didn't realize when I, the first time I read it just how prophetic that was for what we what we were entering and then there's a word here it's on your notes this week again that Sarah Joy got at the start of the year and you know it's talking about maturing and you know the one thing about maturing is it takes time I think it's a, is it Boomers, one of the, the ads for, for one of the drink companies talks about just that it, it takes time to create something special. Well, we don't think that's special. I hope you don't anyway. Um, but when we're talking about maturity, if you see someone coming to the Lord and, and they, they grow very quickly, that's great. But somewhere down the line, we cannot keep growing at that pace. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. And if, you know, if a child is born, Maggie's just celebrating a, a new grandson, little Sam. You know, if he was to grow six inches a week for the next four, eight weeks, I mean, he'd be out of proportion. And, but that somewhere down the line there has to be a stopping of growth and a consolidating of what we've grown into. And it's exactly the same in our Christian walk. Maturity does not happen overnight. Becoming a disciple, which we've talked about, does not happen. We can become a Christian on the spot by making a decision. But the, the outworking of that takes years. It takes a lifetime. But in order for you and I to mature we, it's, it's going to take time but we need to realize that you know and there are people here and we're saved all different all different years some people just recently some people 10 years some people 20 some people 30 some people 40 some people 50 and that's the way it should be because that's family and you know it doesn't necessarily mean, I think it was John when he was speaking, mentioned, you know, we can, because we're 20 years a Christian does not mean we're a mature Christian. We could be doing the first year 20 times. I think I actually read that in the notes that I wrote down from what he shared recently. So we've got the, the whole maturing process is a partnership with God, the Holy Spirit. And it's also a partnership with one another in the church. Rubbing off. There's people here and you've got loads of experience. And I just love to be beside you and rub up against you. Because I catch something from that. And that's the way it should be. So um, growth doesn't just happen. We may decide, I want to grow as a Christian. You know, you can make that decision. But if you don't do something about the decision, you won't grow. You can have the desire, but you have to put something into place in order to grow. Isn't that right? You've got to move towards something. We can't keep doing what we're doing and expect different results. There's something that we need to commit ourselves to growing and growing up into maturity. Last week I asked you to consider, uh, we read, John gave me that scroll last week, I read and we're going to read it now in Luke chapter 4 if you want to get it in your Bibles. But I, I, I read that statement from Isaiah 61 where Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me and has anointed me. And I, I, I left the two, week, uh, the two questions over the week. What is on you? 
and what are you anointed for? And I want to pick up on that just a little bit later on. But let's read this word together. Now it's not just ink and paper, sure it's not. It's the living word of God. God breathed upon the page. Remember, we're saying, Lord, we want to feel your breath. Speak to us, Lord. Jesus returned to Galilee. Verse 14, chapter 4 of Luke. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. <laughs> everyone praised him. He went, to, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. It was a custom of Jesus to, to go to church or the synagogue as it was known. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He just read publicly from the prophets. But there was something about the way he read. It says everybody looked at him. They were glued to him. And he began to, by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's a strange thing. Imagine us being there. It's a strange thing for a crowd of people to hear. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. What sort of words come from your lips this week? Have they been filled with grace? If we're trying to be more like Jesus, they need to be. Isn't this Joseph's son? They said. Jesus said to them, Surely you will, you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them but to the widow in Zarephah in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. The Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Get the picture. Right? It says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Lord, give us revelation of these few verses. 
that's an amazing story. But look what it says right in verse 14. It says, He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we go to verse 1 of chapter 4, it said, it says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he was led out into a, a desert place to be tempted. And we have the temptations of Jesus after that. So he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Spirit. So it wasn't the devil that led him out into the desert. So if you're having a tough time, it may not be the devil. It may be God wanting to do something deeper in our lives. Yeah? So, but look, he went out, he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was led by the Spirit, but in verse 14 it says, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit. So, we need to know the leading of the Holy Spirit, we need to know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but increasingly in these days we need to know the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there are going to be situations that we will face and we're not going to cut it just with knowledge. But we're new, like Paul says I've, in Corinthians, he says, I didn't come to you with eloquent words and with persuasive words, but I came with you to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We need to be expectant in our spirits every time we meet for a manifestation of the Spirit's power in whatever way that comes. And you know what? There was news about Jesus spread everywhere throughout the whole region. Imagine after being in a desert place for 40 days and 40 nights and he came back and when he came back the, the drums sounded they, the, the, whatever way they communicated with one another everybody knew that Jesus was back in town good news travels fast good news travels fast and verse 15 it says he taught them in their synagogue and everyone praised him so there was something about the way Jesus taught. He was a teacher. But he taught them not the way the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the religious leaders of the day taught. He was well liked by what he said. Even though at times it was hard to take. And as was said as we read it, it was his custom. It was something that he did. It was a regular occurrence on a Sabbath to go to the synagogue. Just the same way it should be part and parcel of our daily week to come. And it's not just to have seats or, or, or bums and seats. It's in order that there's a spiritual principle here that we need to commit ourselves to regular fellowship if we're going to grow as Christians. Popping in and out of church and popping around different churches doesn't cut it. Because God wants us to knit in so that we're mixing in so that people see the rough sides of us and we see the rough sides of them and we're able to smooth each other off through the things that we go through together. That's life. That's church. That's what he created us to be part of. That's what's going to hurl back him coming back to the earth. As Bill Heibel says, the, the local church is the hope of the nations. 
the hope of the nations. Just turn to somebody and say to them, you're the hope of the nations. And then there came the questions. Then there came the doubters. I remember we were at a gathering there in the spring recently and then the last night they were talking about in America if somebody lived up in a big house in the hill and, and somebody lived among you know, a sm- more humble surroundings the person in the more humble surroundings their attitude would be in America someday if I work hard enough I might be able to live in a house like that and then they said in Ireland if there was somebody who lives in a big house and somebody else lives in more humble surroundings, they would say, I want to shoot that so-and-so. He used a word that I'm not going to use. But you know, sometimes, it was exactly the same with Jesus. They, They all praised him, they liked him, they liked him, but then they started to say, who is this guy? Who is this guy? What's his credentials? What? He's Joseph's son. He's only a carpenter's son. And you can see already then tongues starting to talk. Jesus had to deal with rejection at its root source at home. In his hometown. And you know it's one of the major things that we have to deal with in our lives. And every one of us goes through it to some degree. Some more than others. And the thing about Rejection is such a deep-rooted thing in, in our lives. Sometimes it's even hard to get a handle on it. But you know, very often we have a little saying that rejected people reject people. And we may not know we're even doing it. But you look over your life, and you know, uh, not just now, but uh, um, th- through the week, look over your life and you see how your relationships work out and are we projecting our rejection that we've suffered on the other people it's a very common thing to do but you know that's the good news of the gospel that Jesus came and he says we are accepted in the beloved the very opposite of being rejected but we need to acknowledge it we need to allow him the Holy Spirit to touch that area and to deal with that rejection I've written down here and it's out of the word for today last week it says nobody was ever born without talent and it hit me between the eyes say it with me nobody was ever born without talent now say this I wasn't born without talent see some of us think we're more talented than what we should be and than what we are actually but you know, and certainly you know, we have a mixture of nationalities here which is wonderful, but as Irish people we're not really good at putting ourselves forward there's something in us well sure, if you put yourself forward it'll only be uh, you'll, you'll get a fall and there, we need to break a mentality there that you know, God nobody has, I have, no, I have not been born without talent Every single one of us in this room, we've not been born without talent. 
but we need to discover it and we need to develop it. Let me ask, how many people here today are the only person in their family who's a Christian? Put your hand up if that's you. Okay? Right? The only person in your family who's a Christian. Okay? Well, I want to say to you, well done. Well done, because you're, you're standing in the gap. And actually, what I want you to do is to stand up. Just stand up. We're not going to make you do anything. Just, you know, those people who are the only person in their family who's a Christian. Okay? If you put your hand up, stand up. Okay? What I, what I want us to do, just where they're standing, I want those around them just to put their hand on them. Okay? And I want us to pray for them. Okay? Just pray. Just pray as a church here this morning. Let's pray. You know, there's been a lot of things have happened. Thank God Ireland's not what it used to be. But there is, there was a time whenever, you know, some people were put out of home because they became a Christian. So we, we, we just want to stand with these people who are the only people in their family a Christian this morning. And let's just bless them. Let's pray just together as a church. Pray for them where you're sitting or where you're standing. And just ask God to strengthen them, to encourage them, and to give them breakthrough in their family. Father, we just sum up our prayers for these precious people. Thank you for them. And Lord, may they receive strength this day. Um, and may they see breakthroughs starting to come within their families. Lord, that you, would you answer their prayers, Lord, and our prayers with them this day. And encourage them in just making that stand, that declaration, standing in faith and believing you to bring other members of their family in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verses 25 to 26, uh, Jesus gives the illustration of the, the, the two prophets, Elijah and Elisha. And he, really what he was doing here was, he was, he was showing the Jews they weren't the only people. I grew up in the north of Ireland, and we had a saying and a song that said, we are the people. And we thought we were the people. Do you know what? But we weren't the people. We were only one section of the people. And the Jews here, the religious leaders of the day, they thought they were the people. They thought they had a special relationship with God because of all the things they did. They thought that they were a cut above other people because they were good in their own eyes. Notice their own eyes, not God's eyes. And Jesus gives them an illustration about the, the widow um, that Elijah fed and then Elijah 
Elisha who healed Naaman the leper and none of them were Jews and there were plenty of other people who were hungry at that time and there were plenty of other people who had leprosy at that time within the Jewish community so what was he doing? He was actually saying, showing them, he was pointing out their self-righteousness. He was saying, God works outside the box. He doesn't do things just the way we think he's going to do them. So we shouldn't try to put him in a box. He, He does his stuff his way. Isaiah 55 says... As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than yours. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So there's something that Jesus is trying to to, to expose here in their hearts. And it was this root of self-righteousness. You know, the story of the prodigal, there wasn't just one prodigal son. There was actually two. One was openly rebellious. The other lived like a son. Thought he was a son, but actually lived like a slave. And we don't know the end of how that, uh, it's not recorded in scripture, but we know that the prodigal who was openly rebellious came back and he learned a few lessons. He came back into a a different relationship with his father. And whenever Jesus said this, it says, everybody in the synagogue were furious. Do you remember whenever he read and sat down, everybody liked what he, everybody was, their eyes were glued on him. They liked what, the gracious words that he said. And then he was pushing the boat a little bit with them. And look at their reaction. They were absolutely furious. Have you ever been like that? Maybe come to church and somebody's sharing something and it just, who do they think they are? We need to be careful in our own hearts that we're hearing what God wants us to hear. We need to be on our guard concerning self-righteousness at our hearts and in our lives. And then because of that, they were so pleased with him and they liked him and they thought well of him and the next minute they were taking him outside and they were going to kill him they were going to they just changed a crowd can change very easily and there was something there was something about what they were going to do and he knew exactly what they were going to do but can you imagine, now picture this, a crowd furious and one person and they're going to say, right, we're going to, we're, we're getting them and we're throwing them over the cliff. But he just turned and it says he walked through them and went on his way. Sometimes we get so familiar with these stories in the Bible that we don't really catch just how dramatic they were. But imagine, I mean, if you were mad with me, not I'm sure you would be, but imagine you all wanted to throw me out that door there. 
and you, were, you had me at the door and Graham had me by the scruff of the neck and a few others and you're about to throw me out and I just turned around and walked past every one of you and you didn't touch me that's how dramatic this was well probably more dramatic than that but that's how, that's how that, 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 that's, that, that played out you see God has his timing for everything and it was not Jesus' time to go that way now we can say yes and amen to that because it's Jesus in our lives God has his timing and it's exactly the same principle no one or nothing can interfere with his plans it's the same for our, his plans and purposes for our lives can you imagine being in that crowd and going home what would they have talked about well we, we didn't do the job we had him but he just walked past us you see there was a supernatural thing happened and we need to be people who are open increasingly to the supernatural and expect God to turn up I love coming to meetings and being in a position where I, I say to God Lord you better turn up or, or else we're sunk because he always 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 turns up in those situations When, when religious people are furious, it, it is usually dangerous. Yeah. Hear that again. When religious people are furious, it is usually dangerous. And that's how some cults start and people draw a following to themselves. And we need to be aware of that as well. So last week I asked, and we read to this morning here, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and He has anointed me. So I'm going to come back to this question. I hope you've thought about it through the week. I'm sure you have. What is on you? If you were to pick one or two things, what would you say is on you? We you know what should be on us. But what's on us in reality? We need to, we need to look at that. I led a, a, a church, a number of people in a church group yesterday through the steps to freedom again. And it's amazing. Um, the last time I did it I shared with you how the, I was going through it with them, leading it, but a few things came up. One thing 25 years ago, the Lord brought it up to me. And another thing, 38 years ago, the Lord brought it up. And yesterday, I'm sitting there, and we're going through, and I wouldn't have thought this was anything to do with this particular step. And I just felt the Lord said, deal with this. And it was 39 years ago. A little thing that happened. And I just said, Lord, I want to deal with anything that you... You see, there were some things in people yesterday... And they're not on them today. Because God has set them free from it. We don't have to live. If you've been brought up and something's been said to you at school, at home or whatever, you'll never amount to anything. Um, you're stupid, you're whatever it is. There's a lot of things that are put on us. 
but they don't have to be honest and that's the good news of the gospel that God in his power is able to take those things off us what are you anointed for? the second thing what are you anointed for? someone said once time if God is calling you to be a missionary don't stoop to become a king if God is calling you to be a missionary if there's a call of God in your life whatever it is no matter what else is, is attracting you you will never be fully satisfied until you're in the bullseye of God's will for your life and that must be the key for every one of us to be in that place where we know we're doing what God wants us to do I believe that about 80% of the will of God is written in the word of God and if we were to fill that 80% or even 90% if we were to fulfill that we would, we would know the other 10% because basically the other 10% is where we're going to be doing it and who we're going to be doing it with because God connects people we may, you may look around and you may know a certain number of people in the church on an ongoing basis but God connects us and what he's doing is he's, he's, he's blending us together He's making us into a, a wonderful people of God. Amen? Amen? Just say to the person to your right, you're wonderful. <laughs> Come back to you. Because that's what God wants. And you see, we don't get that if we're running here, there, and every. Listen, there's no problem visiting other churches. That's not what we're saying. But you need to know where home is. You need to know where your, your bread and butter, where you're going to be dealt and, and fed on a regular basis. And that's, what, that's why God created church, for us to be part of it, wherever that is. John, uh, is, is that going to work this morning? Will you try it there just for a minute? Um, I just have a... I came across the, the breastplate of St. Patrick and I just on this whole idea of what's on us you know, we, 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 we very easily know what I've put up for the, for, the, um, for the weekly thought for the week. Christ be with me, Christ within me. But this is, this, there's a wee bit more to the press, breastplate than that. This is what he said. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity by invocation of the same, the three and one, and the one and three. I bind this day to me forever by power of faith, Christ's incarnation, his baptism in the Jordan River, his death on the cross for my salvation, his bursting from the spice tomb, his riding up the heavenly way, his coming down at the day of doom, I bind unto myself today. I bind unto myself today the power of God to hold and lead, his eye to watch, his might to stay, his ear to hearken to my need, the wisdom of oh my God to teach, his hand to guide, his shield to ward, the word of God to give me speech, his heavenly host to be my guard. Against all Satan's spells and wiles, against false words of heresy, 
against the knowledge that defiles, against the heart's idolatry, against the wizard's evil craft, against the death wound and the burning, the choking wave, the poison shaft, protect me Christ till thy returning. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. And then finally I bind unto myself the name, the strong name of the Trinity, by invocation of the same, the three in one, and the one in three, of whom all nature hath creation, eternal Father, Spirit Word, praise to the Lord of my salvation. Salvation is of Christ the Lord. How wonderful. Wonderful. What was he doing? He was binding on himself his commitment to Christ. And that's what needs to be in us. Our commitment to him. Because he has displayed fully for the world to see his commitment to us. It wasn't when we were looking for him. It says when we were still in our sin, he sent Jesus to die. He could understand it in human terms if we were trying to approach God. But we hadn't a notion of God. And that's the great love and the compassion that God showed by sending Jesus to die that horrible death. For you and for me. That we could come into this life changing relationship. And not only change ourselves, but with his help seek to bring that good news to other people as well. What is on you? What are you anointed for? I'm going to play a little video here. It's only a couple of minutes. Maybe darken the lights a little bit. Please. Thank you. It's 92 Olympics in Barcelona.
You know, it's a wonderful picture. Whenever we are down, the Father God comes alongside us. And He enables us to keep going. You know, you may have blown it as a Christian in your walk. You may feel as if you're down in that place. But you know what? You don't have to stay there. And the good news is, as long as we don't give up, we cannot fail. And that verse that we know so well from Galatians, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Folks, there's a harvest to be reaped in the Midlands. And we're part of it. May God give us grace and strength to keep going. Let's pray. But in the end, it was the deep sense of call, God's call in his soul. His love for Christ and for a people away from God which put the steel into his determination to keep the faith and to finish the course. Lord, we ask you to put that same steel of determination in us this morning. That we would not flicker or be tossed to the side. But in order for us to grow, we need to be focused. And Lord, you're maturing us. We believe that individually and as a body. Continue your good work in us, Lord. And may we cooperate with you each step of the way. In Jesus' name.